Welcome to the Art of Mathematics. I'm Carol Jacoby. Today we're going to be looking at a couple of previously unsolved problems that have been recently solved. Now, speaking of solving problems, we had a puzzle last time. Let me repeat it. A logician vacationing in the South Seas finds himself on an island inhabited by two proverbial tribes of liars and truth-tellers. Members of one tribe always tell the truth. Members of the other always lie. He comes to a fork in the road and has to ask a native bystander which branch he should take to reach a village. He has no way of telling whether the native is a truth-teller or a liar. The logician thinks for a moment and then asks one question only. From the reply, he knows which road to take. What question does he ask? Now, here's the solution. Here's what he says. If I were to ask you, which is the road to the village, what would you say? The truth teller, of course, would tell him the truth and tell him which road went to the village. The liar would have to lie about what he was going to say. And what he would say would be to tell him the wrong road. Now, to lie about that, he'd have to say the right road. So in either case, the traveler gets the right road. Ah, the double negative. Today, we're going to be talking about the fact that mathematics is alive. A lot of people think that, okay, Pythagoras and Euclid and all those guys, they already did all there was to do in math. Everything's already been solved. All those old Greek guys worked it out a long time ago, and nothing's happened since. What I want to talk about today is that there is mathematics still going on. Now, a lot of this is very specialized. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, where I'm not going to be able to explain to you what it is, because in many cases, it's so specialized, I don't understand it myself. But there's math being done all the time. Now, once in a while, it's the kind of thing that can be explained to a general audience. And it hits the popular press. So recently in Wired, there was an article called A Fleet of Computers Helps Settle a 90-Year-Old Math Problem. And I was intrigued by that. And so let me talk to you about that. The problem is, imagine you have some square tiles. And you're tiling a surface, a floor, a table, or something. Can you lay those out in any way without any gaps? No matter how you do that, there will always be at least two tiles that match up edge to edge exactly. These are all square tiles, all the same size. Now, there are a lot of different options on how you're going to lay those out. You could put them in a checkerboard. And, of course, everything matches up side to side. You could offset them like bricks. You could turn them a little bit so they stand on a corner and look like diamonds and tile it that way. But no matter how you do it, there are always going to be some that match up exactly edge to edge. So the conjecture that started 90 years ago is that that's going to be true for any dimension. Mathematicians aren't satisfied. They're not limited by three dimensions. So you take a simple problem and try to extend it, try to expand it. And so that was the conjecture. So you can imagine three dimensions. Take some blocks that are perfect cubes and try to pack those together. Can you do it in such a way that they don't match up face to face without leaving any gaps? No, you can't. You can't do that. What about dimension four? Well, that gets really weird because you can't even draw or build 
the analog of a, a cube in four dimensions. It's called a tesseract. You can imagine it, but you can't build it. And yet mathematicians are able to draw conclusions about it, and they were able to prove that no matter how you pack those tesseracts together, there will be some that share a common face, which is a cube. Now, that's weird, but that's how things are in the fourth dimension. And they went on from there. It's true in the fifth dimension. It's true in the sixth dimension. And then they got stuck. And they were stuck for many years at dimension seven. They didn't know whether that was true or false. They proved, however, that it was false for higher dimensions. So the question is, what about dimension seven? And that was the problem that was solved recently and that was reported in this article. They were able to do it finally by taking this problem with the infinite number of ways that you can put these things together and getting it down to a finite number of cases, which was still huge. It was still too much for any computer to solve in anyone's lifetime. But using symmetries, various things like that, they got it down to just a few, relatively few, cases that could be solved by the computer and then could be checked by a theorem checker to verify that the proof was actually correct. If you're interested in reading more about this problem and how they solved it, the original article appeared in Quanta called Computer Search Settles 90-Year-Old Math Problem. Now that was interesting, but the next day after I saw that article, I got an email from Anjeda Thackeray. You may remember that she was with me in some of the previous episodes she sent me a link to an article about a math problem that had been solved recently, a math problem that had been around for a long time. I figured it was the same problem, but it turns out it wasn't. The article she sent me was from Globe Magazine from the Boston Globe called A Math Problem Stumped Experts for 50 Years. This grad student from Maine solved it in days. And it's true. She solved it in seven days. Now this problem is part of topology. Topology is the study of geometric shapes that are preserved under stretching, bending, compressing, things like that. Anything that doesn't involve cutting or gluing. The joke about topologists is a topologist can't tell the difference between a coffee cup and a donut. Because you can take a coffee cup and smush it down and make the hole in the handle bigger and eventually it looks like a donut. There are even films on the internet where you can watch this being done. One area of topology is called knot theory. These aren't the usual knots you have to untangle because they are closed at the ends. It's a single loop, so you're not going to be able to untangle the knots. Imagine a twisted up extension cord, and you put the two ends together, you plug the end into itself, you're not going to be able to undo that knot. So these are the kind of knots we're talking about. The knot that this problem was about is called the Conway knot. It has 11 crossings. It's not a huge tangled mess. It's a kind of knot that you could draw or you could actually construct out of string if you wanted to. But there was an open problem about this that had been around for 50 years. The question was whether the knot is something called slice. Now, apparently slice is one of these words that's become an adjective all of a sudden, like woke. 
slice is based on the relationship of the knot to structures in the fourth dimension. And I'm not going to go into it any more than that, because actually I don't understand it. What I thought was interesting was this 27-year-old graduate student, Lisa Picciarillo, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, was at a math conference, and somebody mentioned this problem. This was back in 2018. And she said, that's ridiculous. We should be able to do that. And so in her spare time, she started working on this problem because she saw how it related to something else in topology that she was working on that seemed to be unrelated, that nobody had thought about. And making that connection, she was able to solve this problem in one week, in her spare time. What allows somebody to have that kind of insight? I think this has something to do with it. One of her friends said she has a very, very strong sense of aesthetic. Ah, the art of mathematics. The idea that you can relate something unknown to something known. And she is kind of artsy. She likes to make beautiful things. Wooden spoons, woodcut prints, even furniture. It goes against this whole stereotype of the bookworm mathematician involved in numbers and nothing else. And just, you know, you see this picture of somebody with his nose in the book and numbers spinning around his head. It's not like that at all. It, there's an artistic sensibility here that allowed her to do this in one week. Coincidentally, both of these breakthroughs relate to dimensions beyond the three that we live in. Possibly we will talk about that in a future episode. Well, I think it's time for a puzzle. What do you think? Yeah, time for a puzzle. Imagine you have 16 black socks and 14 brown socks. No other colors. You have an early morning meeting, so you need to grab some clothes from the bedroom dresser in the dark so as not to wake your spouse then get dressed in the living room. How many socks do you need to take out to ensure you have at least one pair? Again, you have 16 black socks and 14 brown socks and no other colors. How many socks do you need to take out to ensure you have at least one pair? We'd love to hear from you. If you have a puzzle or something else that you'd like to share on the air, leave a voice message at anchor fm slash the art of mathematics with hyphens or email me at cjacoby at jacobyconsulting.com. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.